This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Would you turn with me to Job chapter 4? Book of Job, the fourth chapter. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. You proved it by giving us your son, the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you went to the cross. You proved your love for us by giving your all, your very life, that sin might be paid for. And then you rose from the grave so that death has been conquered for those who will put their trust in you. Lord, thank you then that you sent your spirit. Blessed spirit, we've been focused on you this morning and our need to absolutely and completely depend on you. Thank you that we live in this church age, post-Pentecost where every believer receives the Spirit of the living God. And Lord, we need you to move in our hearts and to teach us today, to impress on us our need to yield to you in everything. Lord, thank you for the opportunity now to come to you in prayer. Lord, we want to remember today the Palalay and Lowry families, Others who recently have lost loved ones, the Baileys, continue to heal and comfort their hearts. Father, as we meet in freedom today in this land, we know that in Ukraine this morning, there are many believers, believers that we have connections to. There are folks in this room this morning, Lord, who know brothers and sisters in Christ there. Lord, we know missionaries who have ministered alongside these folks. And now, in a very real way, their lives are threatened, not for the cross, but because of a thug whose mind is controlled by the enemy. And Lord, would you just preserve your church there? And in these dark days, Use them to be a light for the gospel. Lord, I would pray for those in Moldova who we have a connection with and a missionary friend there. And Lord, they're ministering to those who are uh, flowing across the border, trying to flee uh, what is happening on, in their homeland. And Lord, they're giving out foodstuffs and they're ministering Uh, to those who are hurting and scared. Lord, would you cause a great reaping of souls with the gospel. Lord, we pray for wisdom for our leaders. Father, we know these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. But Lord, you're in control. You are working, and we believe very soon that the Lord that we see 
in all of his glory in Revelation 2 and 3 as he walks around the candlesticks and the churches. Lord Jesus, you're here this morning. We believe that very soon our faith will be sight and we're going to be looking at you. But Lord, these are days when we need to wake up. Spirit of God, enlighten us, awaken us. Because we need to be ready. And Lord, this is real. Our salvation is closer, much closer than the day we believed. We pray for our fellow sister or sister churches, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, here at Hampton Rose this morning, Bible Baptist Church in Chesapeake. Uh, would you bless Pastor uh, Alavar and Lord grow, unify. Uh, that ministry as they also seek to reach souls for you. Thank you for the Hispanic church. Uh, thank you for Brother Guzman who's preaching there this morning. But we remember uh, him and ask that you would empower the word through him. And then Pastor Tobin, continue to help him recover from COVID-19. Lord, give him a full healing. At this point already, we would have to say that you touched him and uh, Lord... Uh, you've already done a work, but, but we want to give you praise as he's completely healed from this, this awful virus. For those that are battling cancer, uh, our dear sister Carol Copeland, uh, brother Tommy Warrington, Lord, others, we've seen you again mightily answer prayer, but Lord, would you answer in these lives, Father, would you heal them? Thy will be done. Uh, for Nadine Wassman's mother, continue to work in her heart. And Lord, as she continues to decline again, that, uh, Lord, she would know you, that, Lord, you would help her to trust you, faith alone. And then, Lord, thank you for the blessing this week that things have been settled with the McCains. Thank you that they're here this morning, but help them as they're packing now. And very soon, we're going to say goodbye to them but Lord, use them mightily in England. Protect them there. And Lord, bless that, that church. For Cheryl LePage, Lord, heal her shoulder. She's in much pain. Heal her, we pray. And then Barney Hall today and the Sea Hope crew as they are preparing to minister in Haiti. Bless the medical missions team that's with them. Again, Lord, protect them. And would you cause a great reaping in the harvest field that is there. Now, Lord, teach us from your word today, we pray. Thank you that it's quick and powerful. But, Lord, would you work through this vessel of clay and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you have security software on your computer. And even this past week, with what's happening in world events, uh, we've been reminded that there are hackers out there and those that just want that want to disrupt systems, computer systems, and we know, in fact, they can do much harm. I have security software on my computers uh, that works to prevent them from being invaded and corrupted. The company that makes the software has this definition on their website for a computer hacker, all right? 
Computer hackers are unauthorized users who break into computer systems in order to steal, change, or destroy information, often by installing dangerous malware without your knowledge or consent. Now, if it sounds like I know what I'm talking about, I don't, but let me this, okay, all right. Their clever tactics and detailed technical knowledge help them access the information you really don't want them to have. Now, you, know, you may not know much about computers. I don't claim to know a whole lot, but we do know when we've been hacked. We start recognizing things that, I didn't go there, I didn't ask for that. Uh, I don't have a car warranty, okay? I, leave me alone! All right, but, but all this stuff starts, or your computer, there's a message that you need to do such and such to get your computer running better. Don't believe that. So these, these hackers, they're dishonest, they're thieves. They make life miserable for honest souls who are trying to uh, just get along a in life. But I believe there is one hacker who is worse than all the rest. I have no doubt you have met him. And we're going to read about him in today's text. So you're in Job chapter 4. I had actually moved ahead, but in light of this week's events and, and just some other things that have happened, God was working in my heart and brought me back to the fourth chapter. So I'm inserting it back in the series, uh, this message this morning. But when we think about hackers, see if you can identify this one. Look at verse 12. This is Eliphaz the Temanite, and he's speaking to Job, and he says, Now a thing has secretly brought to me, was brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof, in thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face, and the hair of my flesh stood up. It, that spirit, stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before my eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants. And he's speaking here about angels. His angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwelleth in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth. So uh, they are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency which is in them go away? They die even without wisdom. Now, I'm not going to ask the question, you be thinking, who might this hacker be who came into Eliphaz's dream at night. Of course, they didn't have computers back then. But who, who came into this dream with a message? I want us to help think about who this might be. We need to ask some questions about this text and the book of Job generally. First of all, were Eliphaz and his friends honest men who wanted to help their friend Job? Yes or no? What do you think? Were they honest men who sincerely wanted to help Job? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. 
We have no reason to believe otherwise. Did they have knowledge of God and fear Him? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> they say a lot of things about God that are true, but not as God, as far as God views Job. They were not speaking what was accurate about God and Job. Now, let me just give you a simple way that I know this is true. If you've got Bible software or you look at this, uh, these texts in a concordance, uh, or even the cross-references in your Bible as you read through Job, here's what you're going to discover. That there are direct parallels between what these guys say and what the Psalms say. Over and over and over again. In fact, if you want to do a Bible study, you compare what these guys say to Job and what the Psalms say. You'll see a lot of parallels. Here's the problem. It doesn't apply to Job. You can say the right thing, believe the right thing, and have a real bad application. All right? So, yeah, they knew God. They feared him. Were they accurate in what they said about Job? And was God pleased with what they said? Yes or no? No. Now how do we know that that's the case? Job 42 and verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said, and this is interesting, there were three friends who really battered Job with their opinions. There's a fourth young man that comes along but these three friends, they're the ones that God points to. And notice in Job 42 and verse 7, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite. He singles him out. Why? He started all this. And I think he influenced the others who agreed with him. And they start sharing their opinions. But here's what I want us to consider this morning. Who influenced Eliphaz. That brings us back to our text this morning. Okay? The Lord goes on in Job 42, 7, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Okay? Now here's the third question. Is Eliphaz sharing something that actually occurred while he slept? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. He's not making this up. He had a visitor at night. Now, yes, and if it wasn't God speaking, here's the ultimate question, who was speaking? Are you with me? Are you following here? Okay. So I believe we need to see today that Satan doesn't stop his work in chapter 2 after his assaults on Job. Instead, I believe he changes tactics and continues his attack through Job's friends. I believe he hacked into Eliphaz's mind to continue his attack on Job. Now, last Lord's Day, we looked at the importance of coming alongside a believer who's overtaken in a fall, 
having trouble, and trying to help them, right? Restore their relationship with God. But today we're going to see that Satan can actually influence one of God's servants to discourage another servant when he or she faces the difficulty of continuing to rely on the Lord. God wants you to be a tool in His hand, but your mind can get hacked and you can become a tool in somebody else's hand. And so can I. Say, wow, is that... Really, is, is that true? Can I just share with you again Matthew 16, 21? From that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he, Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me, for you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. If we can use this terminology, Satan's mind, or Peter's mind had gotten hacked. How else do you explain turning to the Son of God and saying, No way, Lord. Did he have good intentions? Yes. Did he know God? Yes. Was he being influenced? Oh, yeah. Was he being a help? Oh, no. We can't know for sure if the other friends were influenced directly by Satan. The text doesn't tell us that. But he did influence Eliphaz's initial thinking, and it's likely his, uh, this influenced the others to attack Job, at least through Eliphaz. So I believe Eliphaz was a God-fearing man whose mind had been hacked by Satan, and this impaired his judgment and impacted the others. All of the others were affected by this. I want us to see that Satan can have that same effect on us if our minds are not yielded to the Lord. There are teenagers sitting in this room this morning. There are adults sitting in this room this morning. Satan is having his way with you. In fact, like the Lord said to Peter, he is sifting you like wheat, like grain. Whatever he wants to do, you are in his hands for this simple reason. You won't yield your mind to the Lord and believe what he says. Your mind's been hacked. And so let's look at the world's most dangerous hacker. Eliphaz has a diabolical visitor one night which reinforced his wrong thinking about Job and made him, made Eliphaz and these others, Miserable comforters to Job. That's what, how Job refers to him in Job 16. So let's take a closer look at what the enemy did. Eliphaz tells the story, but I don't think he had a clue about what was really happening. He's sharing with Job, this is what happened to me. But I don't think he really understands what had happened. So realize, beginning in verse 12, this was a real event. 
Now a thing, and that literally is a word, was secretly brought to me. Mine ear received a little uh, thereof, and that means it was whispered to me. So it's nighttime. Eliphaz gets awakened. There's a voice whispering to him. Kind of creepy, actually. Verse 13, in thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men. So God has worked this way in the past. We shouldn't just dismiss that or, or think that this is only what Satan does. God uses this as well. For instance, remember that one night God visited Nebuchadnezzar while he was sleeping. Daniel 9, 29. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that reveals secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. So God, God does this too. Did God not do this with Pharaoh in Joseph's day? He sure did. Now, God doesn't use this as his primary tool today, especially for those of us who have the Holy Spirit and have his word. You don't need visions. You've got his vision for you, his truth. Now look at verse 14. Fear came upon me, he says, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Now the real event had real effects. It shook him. Okay, Have you had a dream that had real effects? I'll tell you, for me, sometimes I wake up and my heart is pounding. I'm too old to play soccer, but I've been in some soccer games while I've been sleeping. And I wake up and I'm sweating and my heart's pounding. It's like, okay. Or worse. <laughs> All right. Now, this was a real event. But notice this was a real event brought on by a real encounter. Verse 15, then a spirit. Now, this is an interesting word. This is not the, the regular Hebrew word for spirit. This is a word that's used throughout our Old Testament for smell. What? Smell? Was Eliphaz smelling something? No. But here's, here's what the wording leads us to in our thinking. When you smell, you perceive. So if you walk in the kitchen and you smell smoke, not chicken, but smoke from something that used to be chicken, okay, you perceive there may be a fire in the kitchen. That's the point. So that's the root word here. It implies that he perceived. He perceived a presence that passed before my face, he says. The hair of my flesh stood up. Now, by the way, many of the expressions that we use come from the book of Job. Have you ever said... Made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Where did that come from? The Bible. Eliphaz. Okay. It, it made the hair on my flesh stand up, he says. Now, how do we know he sensed a presence? Look at verse 16. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image. That is the word form was before mine eyes. There was silence and I heard a voice saying. Now as humans, 
We are very limited in our ability to see all that is happening around us. Would you agree with that? Can we be honest about that? When I'm driving down the street, I cannot see around the next corner. I can't. I, I enjoyed growing up in the Midwest, Brother Shoemakers, okay, because you can see a country mile and beyond. You can see what's out there. Not this city stuff. You know, you don't know what's going to run out from behind the next car. Okay, we're limited. We're physical beings. But this universe is also occupied by spirit beings. Some of those spirit beings, those angels, are for us. Hebrews 1.14 says they're ministering spirits. Some of them are against us. That's why Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The reality is those spirits can hack into our minds. I was thinking about this as I was studying for the message. Some of the news sources that I, I look at you know, they'll, they'll show the intake pictures of men and women who have just committed an awful crime. And there's their picture. And I, I study their faces. Miserable souls, and I believe with many of them, their minds have been hacked. They're doing things that some diabolical force has told them to do. It happened all the time in Jesus' day in Israel. We shouldn't think otherwise about our America today. And by the way, you need to pray for the police officers that are here. And I'm looking out at some of them. This is what they have to do in trying to hold that back. They too wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. We need to pray for them. Judas proved what we're talking about in John uh, 12, or 13 and verse 2, the supper being ended. The devil having now put it into the heart of Judas, Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Where did Judas get that awful idea? Having spent three and a half years watching a perfect man, where did he get that? His brain got hacked. Now this brings us to a startling reality today. Satan attacks the mind. Now some of you don't think that is that important and it's not too serious. In fact, some of you might even be on your phones right now just disregarding everything that I'm saying. This is what we're talking about. You're distracted from what is actually happening in this world and you're going to pay a price. Therefore, we have to evaluate each thought to see if it agrees with what Scripture has revealed about God and what God has said. So, John, the beloved disciple who loved the saints, said this, 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. That word try means put it to the test. 
I'm hearing this on the news. I'm reading this on a blog somewhere. How does that compare to this? And if this doesn't agree with this, that's a lie. It's settled. That's false. I reject it. We've got to get back to being dogmatic. When God speaks, let him be true and every man a liar. Just because somebody has a voice and they have a media presence doesn't mean they're speaking the truth or that what they have to say is important. And this is why the Lord tells us, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now let's look at the form that Eliphaz perceived and what that form had to say about God. And let's just evaluate, is it true or not? And this practically is what you and I have to do. Verse 17, shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Well, the obvious answer is what? No, but that was never Job's assertion. Why are you bringing that up? Job never said that. He's not even thinking that. He's never said that. However, being greater than God has always been Satan's aspiration. I just wonder if this voice is betraying the rottenness in his own heart. In fact, I don't have to wonder. Verse 18, Behold, he put no trust in his servants. Again, speaking of angels... Because the contrast in the language happens in verse 19. You'll see this. So this is talking about angels. And as angels, he charged with folly. Again, not completely true. He has charged the rebel angels with folly, including the one I believe is speaking here. God charged Satan with folly. You see it all through the scripture. Did God ever say anything negative about a loyal angel, yes or no? Help me. No. They make their decision in heaven. Who's going to follow Satan? Who's going to follow God? You never read a negative word about a loyal angel. So whoever is talking here isn't accurate. Now how does God view his human servants? Verse 19, how much less does he put his trust, and carrying over from the context, in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth? Does God place his trust in human servants? Be careful how you answer that. We can't do anything apart from him, but does he expect us to do his will, yes or no? He's entrusted that to us to occupy this earth, to be fruitful, to fill it. All right? We have obligations before God. He expects us to obey. And oh, by the way, we're going to give an account for how we obey. Has he equipped man to obey him? Yes. Will he hold him accountable? Yes. Again, what was said to Eliphaz that he's repeating, isn't true, it's not of God. Verse 20, 
They, humans, are destroyed, beaten to pieces from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Now, are we frail and beaten down by sin and Satan? Yes. Okay. Will we perish forever? Not everyone. Now, some who reject God will. Does God regard or consider when I am beaten down? Yes or no? Does God consider that? All right, we've done this before, but we need to go back and do it again. Go to Romans chapter 8, please. My brethren in Christ, my sisters in Christ. Romans chapter 8, please notice verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. All right, so there's some accuracy in what was said to Eliphaz. We face this all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Now everybody, dramatic pause. What's next? Nor angels, nor principalities or powers or things present or things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's what's true. So what Eliphaz has heard that he's repeating not true. Now granted, he didn't have all the scripture like we do. But Job has already said some things in this book. More things will be said later where what he knew about his God and believed to his core agrees with everything that we've said here. And if Eliphaz had known God like Job knew God, maybe there would have been a different outcome. So these words that he's repeating, not from God. Verse 21, Doth not their excellency which is in them go away? Now the Hebrew word here speaks of being plucked up by the roots. Okay, It also speaks of tent pegs being pulled up and the tent collapsing, their excellency. And it's hard to see that the way the English is worded here, but that's, that's the Hebrew background here. Okay? So does this happen to mankind? The question is, <clears throat> can something happen to me right now in my tent, my tabernacle, my body? Can it collapse? I don't want that to happen. Okay. You and I don't know what a day is going to bring forth, and at any moment God could decide to pull up our tent pegs. Okay. So that's true, but however, do we die even without wisdom? Well, no. We have the testimony of creation and conscience, just like Job and Eliphaz did, to know God and to please Him as Job did. So what is the real problem with you and I, with mankind in general? We don't have time this morning, but if we went to Romans chapter 1, you would see it there in living color. 
as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. What's the scripture say? When we embrace darkness, we open our minds up. Our flesh, God's going to give us more darkness. And by the way, when you don't have the security of keeping God here and here where he belongs, here's the reality. You're going to get hacked. And in Romans 1, when that continues, it just keeps getting worse. God gives them over, God gives them over, God gives them over until they can't tell the difference between good and evil and in fact they take pleasure in unrighteousness. At that point, there has to be serious divine intervention because the hard drive is about shot. So the world's most dangerous hacker is Satan. He can penetrate your thoughts, but, don't, but you don't have to think what he puts there. You don't have to. The Lord says, we're to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It can get to the throne of our mind, but you don't have to leave it there. In fact, the washing of water by the word, you can just open God's word, you can begin to meditate on God's word, and it's like a fire hose, clear water, just washing that junk away. And cast down those imaginations. Bring them into captivity. You must renew your mind daily with the word of God. We must be on guard to defend the gospel. What did Paul say in Galatians 1.8? Though we are an angel from heaven, teach any other gospel, preach any other gospel, let them be accursed. See, there are other gospels in this world. Not really, it's not good news if it's not the true gospel. Where did it come from? Wicked spirits. And remember this sure promise. I want to leave us with this today. James 4.7 Submit yourselves therefore to God, Resist the devil and say the last part of that verse with me and he will flee from you. You can send the hacker packing. Yeah. Not your resistance. Submit yourself to God. Let him fill your mind and your heart. And then resist the devil. He's no match for God. He'll flee. Now, this is a very real threat. I'll just close with this thought. The reality, folks, is our world is on the verge of war again. And I, I'll tell you, because a despot in Russia and a despot in China, their brains have been hacked. And it's not about America and Russia and Ukraine and China Watch closely, it's all about Israel. And you listen to what they think and what they're saying about Israel, and you're going to know that there's a hacker behind it. You say, well, sometimes I feel like the Lord's hacking into my brain. Stop. He owns you, and every thought of your mind needs to please Him. If you think the other, you've been hacked. God has every right to your life and your mind.
We're to glorify Him with our body and with our spirit, which are God's. So folks, you can't get enough of the Bible. You can't spend enough time in the Bible. And we need to yield to the Spirit of God as we worshipped and, and sang about earlier today. So may God help us to remember Satan attacks the mind. And let's yield our minds to the Lord. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for speaking to us through the example a fallen angel that spoke to Eliphaz. And Lord, he didn't stop his direct assault on Job. He just started to use men that knew you to assault Job. It just made his life more miserable. And God, you want to use us to encourage, edify the household of faith, to be there to lift up, build up fellow believers. But if we're not yielded to you very quickly, a complaining spirit, a bitter spirit, an ungrateful spirit, Lord, can come into our lives and just cause us to do damage, our relationship with you and, and our relationship with those around us. That is not your will. So God... Help us to have a spirit-controlled temperament, spirit-controlled thoughts. Help us to please you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.